0: chapter seven of red gauntlet by sir walter scott this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by dion gines salt lake city utah chapter seven latimer's journal in continuation sheet two i have rarely in my life till the last alarming days known what it was to sustain a moment's real sorrow what i called such was i am now well convinced only the weariness of mind which having nothing actually present to complain of turns upon itself and becomes anxious about the past and the future those periods with which human life has so little connection that scripture itself hath said sufficient for the day is the evil thereof if therefore i have sometimes abused prosperity by murmuring at my unknown birth and uncertain rank in society i will make amends by bearing my present real adversity with patience and courage and if i can even with gaiety what can they dare they Due to me foxley i am persuaded is a real justice of peace and country gentleman of a state though wonderful to tell he is an ass notwithstanding and his functionary in the drab coat must have a shrewd guess at the consequences of being accessory to an act of murder or kidnapping men invite not such witnesses to deeds of darkness i have also Alan, I have hopes arising out of the family of the oppressor himself. I am encouraged to believe that G. M. is likely again to enter on the field. More I dare not here say, nor must I drop a hint which another eye than thine might be able to construe. Enough my feelings are lighter than they have been and though fear and wonder are still around me they are unable entirely to overcloud the horizon even when i saw the spectral form of the old scarecrow of the parliament house rush into the apartment where i had undergone so singular an examination i thought of thy connection with him and could almost have parodied lear Death nothing could have thus subdued nature to such a lowness but his learned lawyers he was even as we have seen him of yore allan when rather to keep the company than to follow my own bent i formerly frequented the halls of justice the only addition to his dress in the capacity of a traveler was a pair of boots that seemed as if they might have seen the field of sheriff moore so large and heavy that tied as they were to the creature's wearied hams with large bunches of worsted tape of various colors they looked as if he had been dragging them along either for a wager or by way of penance regardless of the surprised looks of the party on whom he thus intruded himself peter blundered into the middle of the apartment with his head charged like a ram's in the act of budding and saluted them thus good day to ye good day to your honors isn't here they sell the Fuji warrants i observed that on his entrance my friend or enemy drew himself back and placed himself as if he would rather avoid attracting the observation of the newcomer i did the same myself as far as i was able for i thought it likely that mr peebles might recognize me as indeed i was too frequently among the group of young juridical aspirants who used to amuse themselves by putting cases for peter's solution and playing him worse tricks yet i was uncertain whether i had better avail myself of our acquaintance to have the advantage such as it might be of his evidence before the magistrate or whether to make him if possible bearer of a letter which might procure me more effectual assistance i resolved therefore to be guided by circumstances, and to watch carefully that nothing might escape me. I drew back as far as I could, and even reconnoitred the door and passage, to consider whether absolute escape might not be practicable. But there paraded Crystal Nixon, whose little black eyes, sharp as those of a basilisk, seemed the instant when they encountered mine to penetrate my purpose i sat down as much out of sight of all parties as i could and listened to the dialogue which followed a dialogue how much more interesting to me than any i could have conceived in which peter peebles was to be one of the dramatis persona is it here where ye sell the warrants the fugies, ye ken said peter hey hey what said justice foxley what the devil does the fellow mean what would you have a warrant for it is to apprehend a young lawyer that is in Meditation fugue, for he has taken my memorial and pleaded my cause and a good fee i gave him and as muckle brandy as he could drink that day at his father's house he loathes the brandy over well for so youthful a creature and what has this drunken young dog of a lawyer done to you that you are come to me eh ha huh? has he robbed you not unlikely if he be a lawyer eh nick ha huh? said justice foxley he has robbed me of himself sir answered peter of his help comfort aid maintenance and assistance while as a counsel to a client he is bound to yield me ration officie that is it ye see he has pouched my fee and drunken a much kin of brandy and now he's over the march and left my cause half won half lost as dead a heed as ever was run over the back sands now i was advised by some cunning laddies that are used to crack a bit law with me in the house that the best thing i could do was to take heart of grace and set out after him so i have taken post on my own shanks for by a cast in a cart or the like i got wind of him in dumfries and now i have run him over to the english side and i want a Fuji warrant against him how did my heart throb at this information dearest allan thou art near me then and i well know with what kind purpose thou hast abandoned all to fly to my assistance and no wonder that knowing thy friendship and faith thy sound sagacity and persevering disposition my bosom's lord should now sit lightly on his throne that gaiety should almost involuntarily hover on my pen and that my heart should beat like that of a general responsive to the drums of his advancing ally without whose help the battle must have been lost i did not suffer myself to be startled by this joyous surprise but continued to bend my strictest attention to what followed among this singular party that poor peter peebles had been put on this wild-goose chase by some of his juvenile advisers in the parliament house he himself had intimated but he spoke with much confidence and the justice who seemed to have some secret apprehension of being put to trouble in the matter and as sometimes occurs on the english frontier a jealousy lest the superior acuteness of their northern neighbours might overreach their own simplicity turned to his clerk with a perplexed countenance eh oh, nick damn thee hast thou got nothing to say this is more scots law i take it and more scotsmen here he cast a side glance at the owner of the mansion and winked to his clerk i would Solway were as deep as it is wide and we had then some chance of keeping them out nicholas conversed an instant aside with the supplicant and then reported the man wants a border warrant i think but they are only granted for debt now he wants one to catch a lawyer and what for? No, answered Peter Peebles doggedly. What for? No, I would be glad to ken. If a day's labourer refuse to work, ye'll grant a warrant to gar him do out his dark. If a wench queen rin away from her harest, ye'll send her back to her hook again. If so mickle as a collier or salter make a moonlight flitting ye will cleek him by the back spall in a minute of time and yet the damage cannot amount to more than a creeful of coals and a forepit or twa of sot and here is a child takes leg from his engagement and damages me to the tune of six thousand thousand pounds sterling that is three thousand that i should win and three thousand more that i am like to lose and you that call yourself a justice canna help a poor man to catch the runaway a bonny like justice i am like to get among ye the fellow must be drunk said the clerk black fasting from all but sin replied the supplicant i have na had more than a mouthful of cold water since i passed the border and devil a one of ye is like to say to me dog will ye drink the justice seemed moved by this appeal Ham tush man replied he thou speakest to us as if thou wert in presence of one of thine own beggarly justices get downstairs get something to eat man with permission of my friend to make so free in his house and a mouthful to drink and i warrant we get ye such justice as will please ye i winna refuse your neighborly offer said poor Peter Peebles, making his bow, "'Muckle grace be with your honor and wisdom to guide you in this extraordinary cause.' When I saw Peter Peebles about to retire from the room, I could not forbear an effort to obtain from him such evidence as might give me some credit with the justice. I stepped forward, therefore, and saluting him, asked him if he remembered me after a stare or two and a long pinch of snuff recollection seemed suddenly to dawn on peter peebles recollect ye he said by my troth do i hold him a grip gentlemen constables keep him fast where that ill-deedy hempey is ye are sure that allan fairford is not far off hold him fast master constable i charge ye with him for i am mistaken if he is not at the bottom of this runaway business he was I getting the silly callant allan away with gigs and horse and the like of that to rosalind and preston pans and all the idle gates he could think of he's a runaway apprentice that one mr peebles i said do not do me wrong i am sure you can say no harm of me justly but can satisfy these gentlemen if you will that i am a student of law in edinburgh darcy latimer by name me satisfy how can i satisfy the gentlemen answered peter that am so far from being satisfied myself i ken nothing about your name and can only testify nihil novit in casa. a pretty witness you have brought forward in your favor said mr foxley but ha ay i'll ask him a question or two pray friend will you take your oath to this youth being a runaway apprentice sir said peter i will make oath to anything in reason when a case comes to my oath it's a one cause but i am in some haste to pry your worship's good cheer for peter had become much more respectful in his demeanour towards the justice since he had heard some intimation of dinner ye shall have a hum i a bellyful if it be possible to fill it first let me know if this young man be really what he pretends nick make his affidavit oh he is just a wood harum-scarum creature that would never take to his studies daft sir clean daft daft said the justice what do you mean by daft eh just fifish replied peter a wee bit by the east nook or so it's a common case the eye half of the world thinks the tither daft i have met with folk in my day that thought i was daft myself and for my part i think our court of session clean daft that have had the great cause of peebles against plainstains before them for this score of years and have never been able to ding the bottom out of it yet i cannot make out a word of his cursed brogue said the cumbrian justice can you neighbor eh what can he mean by duft? he means mad said the party appealed to thrown off his guard by impatience of this protracted discussion ye have it ye have it said peter that is not clean skivvy but here he stopped and fixed his eye on the person he addressed with an air of joyful recognition ay ay mr harrys of Byrne's work, is this your own self in blood and bane i thought ye had been hanged at kennington common or harryby or some of these places after the bonny ploy ye made in the forty-five i believe you are mistaken friend said Harrys sternly with whose name and designation i was thus made unexpectedly acquainted the devil a bit answered the undaunted peter peebles i mind ye well for ye lodged in my house the great year of forty-five for a great year it was the grand rebellion broke out and my cause the great cause peoples against plainstains et per contra was called in the beginning of the winter session and would have been heard but that there was a surcease of justice with your plaids and your piping and your nonsense i tell you fellow said harrys yet more fiercely you have confused me with some of the other furniture of your crazy pate speak like a gentleman sir answered peebles these are not legal phrases mr harry's of Byrne's work. speak in form of law or i shall bid ye good-day sir i have no pleasure in speaking to proud folk though i am willing to answer anything in a legal way so if you are for a crack about old lang syne and the splores that you and captain Red Gimlet used to breed in my house, and the girded cask of brandy that ye drank and never thought of paying for it—not that I minded it muckle in those days, though I have felt a lack of it since Why, I will waste an hour on ye at any time. And where is Captain Red Gimlet now? He was a wild chap like yourself, though they aren't so keen after you poor bodies for these some years bygone. The heading and hanging is well over now. Awful job, awful job. Will ye try my niching? he concluded his desultory speech by thrusting out his large bony paw filled with a scottish mull of huge dimensions which harry's who had been standing like one petrified by the assurance of this unexpected address rejected with a contemptuous motion of his hand which spilled some of the contents of the box a well a will said peter peebles Totally unabashed by the repulse, even as ye like a wilful man mon have his way, but he added, stooping down and endeavouring to gather the spilled snuff from the polished floor, I canna afford to lose my sneeshing for all that ye are gumple foisted with me my attention had been keenly awakened during this extraordinary and unexpected scene i watched with as much attention as my own agitation permitted me to command the effect produced on the parties concerned it was evident that our friend peter peebles had unwarily let out something which altered the sentiments of justice foxley and his clerk towards mr Harris, with whom until he was known and acknowledged under that name they had appeared to be so intimate they talked with each other aside looked at a paper or two which the clerk selected from the contents of a huge black pocket-book and seemed under the influence of fear and uncertainty totally at a loss what line of conduct to adopt harry's made a different and far more interesting figure however little peter peebles might resemble the angel ethereal the appearance of harry's his high and scornful demeanour vexed at what seemed detection yet fearless of the consequences and regarding the whispering magistrate and his clerk with looks in which contempt predominated over anger or anxiety bore in my opinion no slight resemblance to the regal port and faded splendour wan with which the poet has invested the detected king of the powers of the air as he glanced round with a look which he had endeavoured to compose to haughty indifference his eye encountered mine and i thought at the first glance sank beneath it but he instantly rallied his natural spirit and returned me one of those extraordinary looks by which he could contort so strangely the wrinkles on his forehead i started but angry at myself for my pusillanimity i answered him by a look of the same kind and catching the reflection of my countenance in a large antique mirror which stood before me i started again at the real or imaginary resemblance which my countenance at that moment bore to that of harry's surely my fate is somehow strangely interwoven with that of this mysterious individual i had no time at present to speculate upon the subject for the subsequent conversation demanded all my attention the justice addressed harry's after a pause of about five minutes in which all parties seemed at some loss how to proceed he spoke with embarrassment and his faltering voice and the long intervals which divided his sentences seemed to indicate fear of him whom he addressed neighbor he said i could not have thought this or if i a did think in a corner of my mind as it were that you i say that you might have unluckily engaged in hey the matter of the forty-five there was still time to have forgot all that and is it so singular that a man should have been out in the forty-five said harrys with contemptuous composure your father i think mr foxley was out with derwentwater in the fifteen and lost half of his estate answered foxley with more rapidity than usual and was very near hem being hanged into the boot but this is another guess job for a fifteen is not forty-five and my father had a remission and you i take it have none perhaps i have said harrys indifferently or if i have not i am but in the case of half a dozen others whom government do not think worth looking after at this time of day so they give no offence or disturbance but you have given both sir said nicholas faggot the clerk who having some petty provincial situation as i have since understood deemed himself bound to be zealous for government mr justice foxley cannot be answerable for letting you pass free now your name and surname have been spoken plainly out there are warrants out against you from the secretary of state's office a proper allegation mr attorney that at the distance of so many years the secretary of state should trouble himself about the unfortunate relics of a ruined cause answered mr harrys but if it be so said the clerk who seemed to assume more confidence upon the composure of harry's demeanour and if cause has been given by the conduct of a gentleman himself who hath been it is alleged raking up old matters and mixing them with new subjects of disaffection i say if it be so i should advise the party in his wisdom to surrender himself quietly into the lawful custody of the next justice of peace mr foxley suppose where and by whom the matter should be regularly inquired into i am only putting a case he added watching with apprehension the effect which his words were likely to produce upon the party to whom they were addressed and were i to receive such advice said harrys with the same composure as before putting the case as you say mr faggot i should request to see the warrant which countenanced such a scandalous proceeding mr nicholas by way of answer placed in his hand a paper and seemed anxiously to expect the consequences which were to ensue mr harrys looked it over with the same equanimity as before and then continued and were such a scrawl as this presented to me in my own house i would throw it into the chimney and mr faggot upon the top of it accordingly seconding the word with the action he flung the warrant into the fire with one hand and fixed the other with a stern and irresistible grip on the breast of the attorney who totally unable to contend with him in either personal strength or mental energy trembled like a chicken in the raven's clutch he got off however for the fright for harry's having probably made him fully sensible of the strength of his grasp released him with a scornful laugh deforcement spolzy stouthriff masterful rescue exclaimed peter peebles scandalised at the resistance offered to the law in the person of nicholas faggot but his shrill exclamations were drowned in the thundering voice of harry's who calling upon crystal nixon ordered him to take the bawling fool downstairs fill his belly and then give him a guinea and thrust him out of doors under such injunctions peter easily suffered himself to be withdrawn from the scene harrys then turned to the justice whose visage wholly abandoned by the rubicund hue which so lately beamed upon it hung out the same pale livery as that of his dismayed clerk old friend and acquaintance he said you came here at my request on a friendly errand to convince this silly young man of the right which i have over his person for the present i trust you do not intend to make your visit the pretext of disquieting me about other matters all the world knows that i have been living at large in these northern counties for some months not to say years and might have been apprehended at any time had the necessities of the state required or my own behaviour deserved it but no english magistrate has been ungenerous enough to trouble a gentleman under misfortune on account of political opinions and disputes which have been long ended by the success of the reigning powers i trust my good friend you will not endanger yourself by taking any other view of the subject than you have done ever since we were acquainted the justice answered with more readiness as well as more spirit than usual neighbor ingoldsby what you say is eh, in some sort true and when you were coming and going at markets horse-races and cock-fights fairs hunts and such-like it was a neither my business nor my wish to dispel i say to inquire into and dispel the mysteries which hung about you for while you were a good companion in the field and over a bottle now and then i did not a, think it necessary to ask into your private affairs and if i thought you were ahem somewhat unfortunate in former undertakings and enterprises and connections which might cause you to live unsettledly and more private i could have a very little pleasure to aggravate your case by interfering or requiring explanations which are often more easily asked than given but when there are warrants and witnesses to names and those names christian and surname belong to a an attainted person charged i trust falsely with ahem taking advantage of modern broils and heart-burnings to renew our civil disturbances the case is altered and i must ahem do my duty the justice got on his feet as he concluded this speech and looked as bold as he could i drew close beside him and his clerk mr Faggot, thinking the moment favourable for my own liberation and intimated to mr foxley my determination to stand by him but mr harrys only laughed at the menacing posture which we assumed my good neighbour said he you talk of a witness is yon crazy beggar a fit witness in an affair of this nature but you do not deny that you are mr harrys of Burns work, mentioned in the secretary of state's warrant said mr foxley how can i deny or own anything about it said harrys with a sneer there is no such warrant in existence now its ashes like the poor traitor whose doom it threatened have been dispersed to the four winds of heaven there is now no warrant in the world but you will not deny said the justice that you were the person named in it and that they your own act destroyed it i will neither deny my name nor my actions justice replied mr harrys when called upon by competent authority to avow or defend them but i will resist all impertinent attempts either to intrude into my private motives or to control my person i am quite well prepared to do so and i trust that you my good neighbour and brother sportsman in your expostulation and my friend mr nicholas Faggot here in his humble advice and petition that i should surrender myself will consider yourselves as having amply discharged your duty to king george and government the cold and ironical tone in which he made this declaration the look and attitude so nobly expressive of absolute confidence in his own superior strength and energy seemed to complete the indecision which had already shown itself on the side of those whom he addressed the justice looked to the clerk the clerk to the justice the former had aid without bringing forth an articulate syllable the latter only said as the warrant is destroyed, Mr. Justice, I presume you do not mean to proceed with the arrest? Hum, I—why, no, Nicholas, it would not be quite advisable. And as the forty-five was an old affair, and, hem as my neighbor here will, I hope, see his error, that is, if he has not seen it already, and renounce the pope, the devil— and the pretender i mean no harm neighbor i think we as we have no posse or constables or the like should order our horses and in one word look the matter over judiciously resolved said the person whom this decision affected. but before you go i trust you will drink and be friends why said the justice rubbing his brow our business has been hem rather a thirsty one crystal nixon said mr harrys let us have a cool tankard instantly large enough to quench the thirst of the whole commission while crystal was absent on this genial errand there was a pause of which i endeavored to avail myself by bringing back the discourse to my own concerns sir i said to justice foxley i have no direct business with your late discussion with mr harry's only just thus far you leave me a loyal subject of king george an unwilling prisoner in the hands of a person whom you have reason to believe unfriendly to the king's cause i humbly submit that this is contrary to your duty as a magistrate, and that you ought to make Mr. Harry's aware of the illegality of his proceedings, and take steps for my rescue, either upon the spot, or at least, as soon as possible, after you have left this case. Young man, said Mr. Justice Foxley, I would have you remember you are under the power, the lawful power, ahem, of your guardian." he calls himself so indeed i replied but he has shown no evidence to establish so absurd a claim and if he had his circumstances as an attainted traitor excepted from pardon would void such a right if it existed i do therefore desire you mr justice and you, his clerk, to consider my situation, and afford me relief at your peril. Here is a young fellow now, said the Justice, with much embarrassed looks, thinks that I carry the whole statute law of England in my head, and a posse comitatus to execute them in my pocket. Why, what good would my interference do? But, hum, a, I will speak to your guardian in your favour he took mr harrys aside and seemed indeed to urge something upon him with much earnestness and perhaps such a species of intercession was all which in the circumstances i was entitled to expect from him they often looked at me as they spoke together and as crystal nixon entered with a huge four-pottle tankard filled with the beverage his master had demanded harrys turned away from mr foxley somewhat impatiently saying with emphasis i give you my word of honor that you have not the slightest reason to apprehend anything on his account he then took up the tankard and sang aloud in gaelic Slant and ray the king's health just tasted the liquor and handed the tankard to justice foxley who to avoid the dilemma of pledging him to what might be the pretender's health drank to mr harry's own with much pointed solemnity but in a draught far less moderate the clerk imitated the example of his principal and i was fain to follow their example for anxiety and fear are at least as thirsty as sorrow is said to be in a word we exhausted the composition of ale sherry lemon-juice, nutmeg, and other good things, stranded upon the silver bottom of the tankard the huge toast, as well as the roasted orange, which had Willem floated jollily upon the brim, and rendered legible Dr. Byram's celebrated lines engraved thereon. God bless the king, God bless the faith's defender, God bless, no harm in blessing, the pretender who that pretender is and who that king god bless us all is quite another thing i had time enough to study this effusion of the jacobite muse while the justice was engaged in the somewhat tedious ceremony of taking leave that of mr faggot was less ceremonious but i suspect something besides empty compliment passed betwixt him and mr harry's for i remarked that the latter slipped a piece of paper into the hand of the former which might perhaps be a little atonement for the rashness with which he had burnt the warrant and imposed no gentle hand on the respectable minion of the law by whom it was exhibited and i observed that he made this propitiation in such a manner as to be secret from the worthy clerk's principal, when this was arranged the party took leave of each other with much formality on the part of squire foxley amongst whose adieus the following phrase was chiefly remarkable i presume you do not intend to stay long in these parts not for the present justice you may be sure there are good reasons to the contrary but i have no doubt of arranging my affairs so that we shall speedily have sport together again he went to wait upon the justice to the courtyard and as he did so commanded crystal nixon to see that i returned into my apartment knowing it would be no purpose to resist or tamper with that stubborn functionary i obeyed in silence and was once more a prisoner in my former quarters chapter seven